Welcome back to InPod, your home for all things inflow. I'm Nick Sweeney. I'm your host. And this is actually our last episode of October, believe it or not. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to stop doing what's new episodes. There's still a lot more that we haven't got to. We haven't talked about simulation yet. Uh, we haven't talked about Drivers 18.1, which came out just a couple of weeks ago. So we're going to be getting to all of that. But what I want to talk about this week is another section of what CATI does, another section of our business, and kind of introduce that. And that is our 3D printing and manufacturing side of the business. We work with several different partners. We work with 3D printing and scanning and paid parts division. There's a lot of things that we do. So I wanted to introduce that to all of you so that you can kind of learn a little bit about it. I know I love the 3D printing side because it's tangible. It's right there, stuff you can hold. I love it. It's super fun to talk to those guys about it. So this week I brought in Greg Osterman and we're going to talk a little bit about that. So with that, let's jump into my interview with Greg Osterman. So this week, I wanted to talk a little bit about the manufacturing side of the business because we, we do 3D printing and we do scanning. We do a whole bunch of different stuff that I can't even wrap my head all around. So I wanted to bring in Greg Osterman, the Vice President of Manufacturing Solutions, to kind of talk about all of this with me. Greg's been with CATI since December of 2009, so he's coming up on 11 years. So Greg, welcome to Impod. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Nick. Very much appreciated. Happy to be here. So I wanted to ask you... First, to kind of give us a little bit of background about you, because you're the vice president of manufacturing. Manufacturing covers a lot of stuff. How did you kind of get into 3D printing? Were you one of those people that you were you were big into the CAD side, like the SolidWorks, and you played around with that, and you thought the manufacturing would be cool, or were you did you kind of come in from the other side of selling things and printing just kind of made sense? Yeah, actually, backing up, I, I came from before CATI, the um, recruiting industry. So recruiting and staffing, and I, I recruited and staffed manufacturing plants. So somewhat related, um, ended up coming here in December of 09, like you mentioned, and then working with obviously a lot of the same companies. At that point, um, CATI was a pretty small sales force. I remember we had less than 10 of us in outside sales probably at the time for CATI. Uh, this, is, this Yeah, this is when we were just selling um, object printers, you know, the Polyjet printers, and then also uh, SolidWorks. So anyone on the sales team sold CAD, you know, sold SolidWorks, and we also sold 3D printers. Um, throughout the years, just kind of grew with CATI, love selling SolidWorks, love selling 3D printers and such. And, and as we grew, um, just kind of migrated more to the, um, the hardware side, I'd call it the 3D printers. I love the tangible feel and the ability to see something being made and uh, I, I'm not an engineer by trade and background. I'm a, I'm a business person, business guy. So um, the 3D printing was a little, little uh, made more sense to me, I guess. I should just leave it there. But I really love the, the, the tactile feel to be able to hold that part in your hand and everything and see what you can make. It definitely makes selling something easier when you can say, here, look at this thing I made and, and be able to hand it to them. Like, CAD is cool. And, and I obviously, I started in SolidWorks. That's how I got into this whole industry. And the tangible aspect of being able to kind of spin around a 3D model, it's always really cool, but you can't touch your computer screen and actually feel the edges and feel the contours like you can with 3D printing. And I think that that's a really cool thing of just in general 3D printing and manufacturing solutions and everything that we can do. But what all, so kind of talking more into what we do now at CATI, the manufacturing team, it's not 10 people anymore. It's now a lot bigger than that. We've got our, our meetings that there's always hundreds of people in that meeting. So what all does manufacturing really cover in your eyes for 3D Vision? Well, not 3D Vision. Wow, that's back a few years. For, C for CATI, 
what all does manufacturing cover? Because I know we do Stratasys, I know we do desktop metal, but what else is kind of involved in that whole realm, in that whole space? Yeah, it, it's pretty neat to see the uh, the progression. When we started, like I said, in 09, we were object. Um, then in around 2013, object merged with Stratasys. So when that came together, then we had the FDM side of the business too, and the Polyjet. So then we started selling both, right? Um, I believe... Mm-hmm. Looking at my timeline in my head here, in about uh, 2016, we brought on the Creaform held scanning line. So that's that's absolutely taken off for us. And uh, we've been, I, I believe, number one since uh, 2017 for Creaform, which has been great. So the handheld scanning line for inspection or reverse engineering. Um, also on top of that, you mentioned desktop metal. So we definitely are selling the metal printers from desktop metal. Um, we've also have a, uh, a post-processing technology solution, which is more, uh, call it higher end, uh, call it uh, a better solution for post-processing 3D printed parts. So that would go along with our object customers, our polyjet customers, or FDM customers, and really any 3D printing customer out there. Um, there's solutions that we offer, even if you're an, an SLA owner or SLS or metal and, and things of that nature. So that was that's pretty neat. Um, in addition to that, we also have services that we offer. So we have a full 3D printing service. So whether you, any type of uh, technology you may need, uh, we can handle that. So whether it's uh, multi-jet fusion or FDM or polyjet or SLA, SLS, metal, you name it, um, our group can help with that. And we also have a scanning services division. So if uh, someone's, say, not ready to actually bring in a scanner, they just need a project here and there, or maybe it's something we've seen people that they outsource a couple of scan projects and then it really proves it out and they can um, they can then bring something in-house that way. So, yeah, really, it's a, it's a one-stop shop. And we even have um, post, uh, post and pre-software for 3D printing as well with Materialize, uh, which will let you repair, mod, repair files and, and things of that nature. So um, could go on and on, but that, that's the main bulk of it. I'll, I'll leave it there. One-stop shop is something that I know that I've talked with Rod about. I've talked with Justin Webster about it. And that's kind of where we want to be. We want to be that, that solution partner for, for everything. So having the scanning, having the 3D printing, having the paid parts division, we can kind of go all over the place. I did want to talk to you about uh, desktop metal and scanning in particular. Now, I actually didn't ask you about this pre-show, so hopefully this doesn't catch you too off guard. But for desktop metal... I guess for printing plastic, it makes a lot of sense to me because plastic can melt and it's really easy to just kind of pour that and you can, you can mold that. It's no big deal to do that. Desktop metal last year in our, at our Cleveland rollout event, I won't say where we were, but we, we had like a 3D printed nut and bolt and I went up to our 3D printing guy and I said, how, what is this? Like we made this? And he said, yes, we did. And the place we were at, they came up to us and said, wait, you can 3D print metal? And they, they went off and they talked for 30 or 40 minutes just about how you can 3D print metal and how you can make replacement parts when you need them. You don't have to go to the hardware store down the road. I wanted to ask, how on earth does desktop metal work? Like, is it, I, I've seen like it lays down a powder and then it does something else. Can you kind of explain to me roughly what happens there for someone that has no idea? Sure. Um, with, with desktop metal, they're, they're, they're actually working. Um, we're going to have a couple technologies. Uh, there, there's a new system coming out called the shop, which is going to be more for low volume production. And that's more of a binder jetting um, process that's going to be higher throughput and such um, that we can get to at another another meeting maybe. But for what you're <laughs> talking about exactly would be the normal studio system. So if anyone has uh, a background in metal injection molding, it kind of it kind of starts there with this uh, this system. I would say so. It takes uh, they take the filament and they put it into basically they form it into rods. 
And then in those rods are metal particles along with uh, binding agents, right? So plastic binding agents, other things. And then what they will do is that then that heats up, they extrude it out a fine tip, just like an FDM printer that we do kind of on the Stratasys side. It extrudes that out and uh, draws the part basically line by line. Once that part is complete, it's put in a debinding station, which is like a, a liquid solution, kind of like a, uh, a hyped up dishwasher, we'll call it. Okay. So it goes in there. Um, that then penetrates the, uh, the part to a point and pulls out some of the initial binding agents. Okay. So it, it kind of think about it pulling out or dissolving some of those binding agents that are in there. That's the first part. And then once it's done with that, that, um, in that solution, you would then put it into a furnace, an actual furnace that heats up over, believe it gets up over 2,800 degrees Fahrenheit, you know, or so. And there's different recipes for different metals that you're printing, different, uh, different centering profiles, we'll call it, for how long something's heated, um, to what temperature it hits and all that. Once it's in there, the part actually, it, call it burns out the rest of the binding agents that are in there. Uh, the part shrinks back down to near net size. It's probably about around 20% smaller. It comes out when it went in, right? Cause it takes out those binding agents. Um, then you're left with your centered, you know, real metal part, just like anything else that you can use for uh, prototyping or, or tooling, or, you know, you can, you can hammer on it. You can drill on it. You can weld on it. People ask, well, what can I really do with this metal? And it's not like metal. It, it is metal. So I guess I'd forgotten about the furnace part. So whenever I thought about desktop metal, it'd be, oh, sweet. So I could put that in my garage. And then if I want to, if I need to 3D print something, I can. But I don't think all of us have a 2,500 degree furnace to be able to pull that off. Yeah, they offer those. They're quite nice. We have, we have a few of those here at CATI. So if you had a buddy with an industrial furnace, you might be able to figure something out. But yeah, you, you might want to stick to that. <laughs> my brother and I, back a few years ago, we made a foundry. And like we could, we threw in aluminum cans and we've got these aluminum ingots and no idea what we're going to do with them, but sure. like that's the closest we've ever gotten. I think that only got up to 1900 degrees. Yeah. Um, it was like a little trash can, but it was pretty cool. Um, so I wanted to also ask about scanning because scanning last year at, uh, at Ironside Axe Throwing where we did our, our event, which was super fun to throw axes. If no one's ever thrown axes just in general, really fun. Um, but they pulled out an axe and one of our 3D printing guys, he grabbed the scanner and he said, I'm going to scan this. And he put the little dots on it and suddenly there was, on his computer, you could spin around the 3D model of the axe. And we were talking about, hey, let's 3D print an axe handle for these guys and send it down as like a, thank you for letting us host our event here. This was really fun. And, and I wanted to ask you about just scanning in general. How accurate is that scanning? Because it's not, it, it's like, use, it's better than using like a little, um, the calipers it's super precise oh sure the um with the new units now from korea form they're using blue laser and it's very accurate it actually gets sub sub one thou you know accuracy so yes that that that's good for most maybe not everyone but for the masses um that's going to hit most people's needs that we've seen out there right for most of our customers so sub 1000 accuracy and you know we're used for first article inspection we are used for quality departments are using these things. They are complementing or replacing CMMs or, or measurement arms or things of that nature. We come in and upset the Apple card and say, this is better than that. This might be a big time saving with scanning where you could do, you know, say 80% of your initial scans and really speed up that bottleneck you're seeing when you're waiting in line for a CMM. And if you need to, you can still um, have those critical areas of interest on your 
call it CMM and even merge reports later. So the when we're talking accuracy, I, sorry, I went to the quality side, but that's really where we see that impact, right? And then we also have the entire um, reverse engineering aspect of it as well. Well, I think the fact that it's used in quality does kind of speak to just the general accuracy of it because we're using this to validate things. We're using it to check ourselves, make sure that, yes, this is up to this is up to snuff. And if we're trusting a scanning device to do that, I think that shows how accurate that they are. And one of the things that you you said to me, and I'm going to use the direct quote because I really thought it was funny. Um, as far as alleviating bottlenecks and being able to speed up the process, we don't have to do this for this massive process. It can be something really tiny. It can be so overkill to the point that you said, and I'll quote you, it's like shooting a deer with a bazooka. It works. It does the job. Now, of course, you're going to destroy the meat at that point. But it, it lets you speed up even these little processes. You don't have to use scanning in the, the giant context you can use to scan an axe handle if you wanted to, which I think is, it shows the flexibility of just manufacturing in general, being able to scan something with that. I think that's really, really cool. Yeah, I mean, some people, they're using, um, you know, high firepower uh, units at their their business to do a, a smaller task or a quicker task. It's, it's not being quick because that's a, let's call it a... Um, a solution like maybe a CMM that takes a lot longer amount of time, right? So you're absolutely right. Sometimes those things are just absolute overkill for what they're needing to do. And if we can help the front end, you know, time is money, you know, in, in all business. So we really think with these solutions, absolutely saves people time. So talking about how these solutions are saving people time, we've got a couple really good stories to talk about. So one recently with a customer and the other is kind of something that we've been doing. Well, I wanted to ask you first about one of our customer stories that you just talked about it pretty recently. Can, can you kind of give us some context about who it is? Maybe don't say who the customer is explicitly, but you kind of talked to us about that story and, and how they came to that manufacturing is a great way to save time. Sure. And we're going with the scanning here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we have a customer, we'll call them in the Midwest. Um, we engaged with them on one of our larger solutions, one of the larger Creoform solutions. So the MetroScan, which is used for larger objects. You know, when you start getting bigger than a bigger than a table, maybe six foot or larger. You start looking at maybe the MetroScan, which which allows you to scan large objects uh, quickly without a lot of targets or, or things like that. So we can get into all that later. But really, what what the customer was doing or needed, they were experiencing. Oh my gosh, I think a 9,000 unit backlog or somewhere around there, right? So approaching five digits, you know, of, of a backlog. That, that's a big backlog. Big backlog, yeah. Coming up on 155 units a day. Some of the issues they were experiencing, they didn't have CAD files uh, or any molds. They had no real digital library. Um, the mold making that they were doing was being outsourced. You can see the, the myriad of uh, challenges, we'll call it really. You know, lead times were over a month. I think they were approaching 40 days or so. Um, so we were able, our team um, was able to go in there, engage with the customer, really do a great job with the, the ROI and just showing why it made sense to actually bring a scanner in-house and how much time this could help them with changes and iterations and things during their process. So, I mean, overall, it, it decreased time to market. It totally increased their uh, production throughput, of course. And then oh, sure. they just found a, a lot easier way to modify designs. And when you can do that, you know that when you start, when you can already start with a design and make modifications, it's better than reinventing the whole thing every time. You know, and we use that, use that from the scanning to SolidWorks to DriveWorks to all sorts of our business. We, we've seen impact there. So 
Um, yeah, it just really helped the customer. They ended up with a Metroscan um, Black Elite in the end, and it just solved a lot of a lot of um, you know challenges. So it really made their reverse engineering of things. It, like if they had this part, because if you don't have CAD files, you can't recreate it unless you go through and you reverse engineer it with measuring tools. So Scanny in this case let them speed up that reverse engineering so that they would have these parts and they could modify them. That's is that really the gist of what happened and improved them so much? Yeah, it was a lot on the reverse engineering side and being able to give them that starting point. And, you know, something we didn't even talk about really, just they also have that system, which we said earlier can be used for inspection too. So once they get all this and, and it's able to do, and now they, let's, let's fast forward. And now they start producing these new units. Well, now what can they do? Now they can take the scanner and inspect them and make sure, right, that they are, yeah. um, that they are to spec. And if people are doing molds in general out there, Think about your molds start to wear over time. Well, with scanning, you can scan your molds every 500,000, 10,000 shot, whatever that is for, for any mold you're doing. And you can see the de- deterioration or the wear on that mold. And it lets you plan ahead for when you might need to make or, or start looking at a new mold, if that makes sense. So really, really impactful there for a lot of companies as well if they're in any type of molds or things. It's so cool that you can use inspection or you can use these scanners to get you your results. And then you can use the scanner to then check the results that you got from your scanner. And you don't have to worry about like it being redundant, like, oh, of course, it's going to confirm itself. No, like this is still giving you those measurements. So it's precise enough to reverse engineer something and then check yourself to make sure that you reverse engineered it correctly. Yeah, it's, it's a wonderful life cycle, really, if you look at it like that. It really is, because then one tool does it all and it kind of all works out together. Yeah. So beyond working with customers, we also, with CATI, we do a lot with just community outreach. And that's stuff that we really try to work on. I know a lot of us have, um, we take days off throughout the year to go volunteer and work on stuff. But throughout the last seven, eight months, throughout 2020 in general, we've been dealing with the COVID outbreak throughout the United States, throughout the world. And it's been really, really tough for a lot of people. And one of the early issues was the PPE and how we were we were lacking in our face shields and in our masks. But CETI kind of partnered up with Stratasys, and we partnered up with a lot of people throughout the country. And we had a pretty amazing thing happen. So can you kind of talk to the listeners about what we did in response to COVID and how CETI really helped us get out of the really tough spot we were in with PPE? Yeah, and it, and it was such a great effort by by all with this from CATI to, to different partners that we'll see and vendors and, and such like that. And uh, we saw in the beginning of the pandemic, it, it really exposed our, our supply chain right in, in America with, with not being able to produce PPE, face shields, whatever you needed at that time, um, you know, masks and, and such uh, in the beginning. So we were so dependent upon other call it areas or countries or, or things not being ready that this allowed that bridge to production by 3D printing face shields, you know, mask extenders, also even ventilators at some point, you know, were, were being made this way too once they got the designs in and such. But face shields were literally being printed day one, day two of the pandemic, right? I mean, this thing went out, this, this happened. They knew the need and CETI for one, along with other companies, stepped in just at CETI alone. Um, you know, we have over, what, 100 printers in our full network across all of our, our offices and such. 
and we were using the FDM printers primarily. But I mean, we produced, I believe, close to about 10,000 face shields just from CACI that were given, even given out to call it hospitals or first responders, um, uh, workers at schools, you know, anything that was needed. And it was such an awesome thing to see all the people at CATI um, step in from the engineers to the salespeople, anyone um, at CATI to help run printers or get these going, coordinate them, get them out to where they needed to be. Even some of our, um, our employees with their own hobbyist printers at home, you know, we're printing these by themselves at home and then bringing them in and dispersing them or giving them out. It was, it was a full, absolute team effort. And it all happened organically too. Like it's not something that we mandated. I, I know I didn't see any emails like, hey, go 3D print stuff. This all happened organically and we all kind of came together and think, trying to come up with how can we help, right? Yeah, everybody just, everybody just wanted to help. Like I said, everybody pitched in and it was, uh, this wasn't a mandate. This wasn't like you have to do this. It was like, who wants to help? And it, it was overwhelming. There, there was no there was no having to reach out and ask people, basically, which is a great thing to see. And as we know, we were all in this together and, and it really it really bridged that production. So I would think the face masks were were very much in demand. Not they still are. People are still using them. But I believe production has caught up and there's been so many face masks 3D printed now. Um, but for the first, what, three or four months of the pandemic, I mean, this was a real absolute um, core need that everyone had to do. And from from our partner at even Stratasys made a coalition and us and other providers were making face shields and then sending them to Stratasys to, um, to distribute. Um, I think they distributed over a hundred thousand plus face shields to over 150 organizations. You know, there's a lot of companies that helped us out um, with this as well. And, and then by the end of this, uh, some neat stats we saw was that some planned post pandemic tech investments, um, the highest one out there that we saw was 25% of people said 3D printing or added manufacturing would be looked at for post-pandemic tech investments because I think it really exposed where needs are that people can have a, a printer or something at their facility and just jumping on anything they need quickly. I talk about automation a lot. Automation is is one of my big things. You, you know that DriveWorks is my big thing. I, I love DriveWorks and with PDM, you can automate your tasks. 3D printing very much falls in that same vein for me because I don't have to go and find, okay, who can make this for me? Instead, I can look over at the 3D printer on my desk over here, which I wish I had one, but I don't. I can actually look over there and send my SolidWorks design directly over to it and poof, I suddenly am going to have a model. I'm going to have something physically there for me to have. So it it fits into that automation standpoint, I think. And that's definitely something that the pandemic has done. And what I love more than, than just how 3D printing helped here is that in general, it showed the goodness of people. And it, it, it did show the good that you can do with 3D printing. Like the, these things that we sell, these things that we support and work with, it's not like these are just tools that eight to five, they're busy. And then after five o'clock, nobody needs them. And they're only Monday through Friday. Like these are tools that work all day long, all the time. And that's, that's a big deal. And it shows what we can do to help others. Yeah, it's great because you don't, it, it's kind of a worker that keeps working for a, a business, right? You, you turn on the printer. It doesn't need to be managed like some other pieces of production equipment, right? Or checked in on or, or, or so much tweaked. So once you get it going, it's, you know, and with what we have at the, the Stratasys level, 
I don't say set it and forget it, right? But it, it, it does the job. You can come back, you can go to sleep, come back in the morning. We've had a number of face shields printed overnight or whatever that, uh, you know, people are working on. Such a cool story. And I love how it's done 3D printing. Such a, it's done so much for 3D printing, the fact that it's now more exposed. Like, I think everybody knew, hey, 3D printing is a thing. But I think it really highlighted it and spotlighted it and put it in a really nice light for everybody to see and go, hey, that's actually... Something, something that's, that's really cool, and that's something, something that, that we can make use of. of. And like, like you said, 25% of people are now looking at 3D printing and, and just manufacturing solutions going forward. I think it's a really cool thing that's happened for the industry as well, not just with COVID. Yeah, absolutely. I think it really helped the uh, added manufacturing industry in a in an exposed good light. And it's really, I think the, the investments looked at 3D printing in general over the coming five, 10 years, when you look at, you know, different indexes and, and things of that nature. I mean, it's growing by billions, but uh, this might have helped the industry kind of catapult even further in a shorter period of time. So it will be, you know, we're all in a big challenge right now. COVID is we're not out of the woods, right? Things are still happening. It's going to be interesting to see once we're on that, that full rebound, whether you call it 2021 or whatever really where this industry goes. Definitely. I, I'm excited to see what happens with 3D printing. And obviously, I'm looking forward to when COVID is finally over and we can actually record podcasts in person. Maybe I can finally come out to St. Louis. It'll be a lot of fun. There you go. Come on down. <laughs> Definitely. All right, Greg. Thank you so much for joining me this week on Impod. It was a good conversation. I think it's, it's really cool all that 3D printing and just manufacturing solutions can do. It's scanning. It's printing. It's checking what you've 3D printed with your scanner that you stand something in to 3D print. It's really cool. Everything you can do. I'm really excited about it. Uh, I, I love our 3D printers. It's one of my favorite parts of the business because it's tangible. I can hold it. It's there in my hand. Yeah. If anybody's got any questions, feel free to reach out to, to me or anybody in the manufacturing solutions group. And uh, yeah, love to love to help and talk. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's all I've got for this week. So, Impod listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. That wraps up our October, believe it or not. I can't believe we're going into November. Uh, but we've got some pretty fun episodes coming up. We're going to be talking eventually about Drivers 18.1, which has officially been released. So be on the lookout for that. Until then, uh, have a great rest of your week, and I will talk to you next week. See ya.